Hello and welcome on Mustard FM, dear listener, for Cultural Program. Today is quite special for us, as it is for many of us, the first program we are recording. For this first podcast with the new members of our team, as you may know, today is quite special day for all the women around the world, as we are the 8th of March. So it seems inevitable to, uh, for us to talk and exchange about this topic and its implication in our modern society and the connection which may and obviously, obviously exist between this celebration and feminism. To be honest with you, this is not really a topic which, which, with which I am really familiar. So to help me to introduce this subject, and because we won't let a man alone talk about Women's Day, I am with three ladies who will help me. Hi, I am Federica from Turin. Hello, my name is Sasha. I'm from Moscow. And I'm Sonia from St. Petersburg. And this is Sebastian from Paris. I am really happy to be there with the three of you um, today. And I think we have many things to say about this celebration. But before starting in the middle of the topic, I think we have to go back more than a century ago for a little lesson of history. And I think that you have many things to tell us about it, Frederica. Yes, of course. I have... Um a lot of uh, history to tell you and uh, I want to start saying uh, that of course the International Women's Day is uh, on the 8th of March every year. It is a focal point in the movement for women's rights after a Socialist Party of America organized a Women's Day on February 28th in 1909 in New York. In 1910, International Social, uh, Socialist Women's Conference suggested a Women's Day be held annually. We have to talk a lot about uh, this, um, this day. Uh, the earliest uh, Women's Day observance called the National Women's Day, was held on February on the 28th in 1909 in New York and was organized by the Socialist Party of America at the suggestion of uh, Teresa Malkiel. There were uh, claims to that day. They say this day was commemorating uh, uh, after uh, um, a, f a firm burnt, but uh, it's uh, like a myth. It's not uh, really for that. Uh, in fact, uh, in August 1910, an international socialist women conference was organized to precede the general meeting of the Socialist Second International in Copenhagen, Denmark. From here, the International Women's Day started to be celebrated in uh, the whole Europe. Inspired by, uh, in part by the American socialist, German socialist Louise Ziet proposed the establishment of an annual uh, Women's Day and was followed by uh, Clara Zetkin and uh, Kate Dunker. And uh, the following year... On the March 19th, the International Women's Day was marked for the first time by over one million people in Austria, Denmark, Germany and Switzerland. And uh, women demanded they be given the right to vote and uh, to hold public office. They also protested against employment, sex discrimination. And uh, in 1914, International Women's Day was held on March the 8th in Germany. And uh, the 1914 observance of the day in Germany was dedicated to women right to vote, uh, which German women did not until 1918. It's a very long story, and uh, I think uh, I, I have to 
uh, tell about Russia because uh, in 1917 in, in Petrograd, women textile workers began a demonstration covering the, the whole city. This marked the beginning of uh, the February Revolution and uh, women in St. Petersburg went on strike that day for bread and peace, demanding the end of the World War One and uh, the end uh, to Russian food shortage and the end of uh, Tsarism. After these days uh, and after these years, uh, the International Women's Day was uh, uh, celebrated the, the entire world. Thank you, Federica, for introducing us into this part of Russian history, connecting to 8th of March. I just wanted to add something. Well, uh, it was the beginning of February bourgeois democratic revolution, but why February, you may ask? Um, it actually was 8th of March. Well, the reason is that there was a difference between two calendars, Gregorian and Julian. Russia still used Julian calendar, so it was 8th of March on the West, while still 23rd of February in Russia. And I think the question is, do you, you Russian people, still use this calendar <laughs> or when did you change it? No, we don't use this calendar anymore, but uh, we still got some holidays from Uh, the past. For example, we celebrate Old New Year, which is New Year by the old calendar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you lucky people. Okay, thank you girls for this really long history lesson and I hope that you, uh, dear listener, you have took many notes about it because that was really, that was many information and we left you for a couple of minutes and we will return to you after this song. So welcome back and um, Sebastian, could you tell us about current traditions of celebrating the International Women's Day in France? Yeah, of course. Um, actually, the situation in France is quite particular, as you will see. So this year, if you are at Paris on the 8th of March, you will have plenty choice of way to celebrate the International Women's Day. Just for an example, you could assist to a 100% women's theater representation or listen to women's artists such as musicians, assist to a dancer performance at the Arab World Institute or simply enjoy the beauty of Saint-Denis Cathedral with a tour about women's and power in French monarchy history. So as you can see, there is many ways to enjoy this day in France. Each cultural institution on each city in France has at least one event for this special day. For the ones who prefer serious talk, this day is also the opportunity to assist to some conferences about the rights and place of women in French modern society. So it seems to be a great day in France, isn't it? <laughs> But here I come. Um, this far, I'm sure you're seeing France is a good place for feminism and intellectual reflection about this topic. What you must know is in France, this event is organized by the government which has even created a ministry for equality between women and men. But that means as each time something is created by a government, especially if it's the French one, there is no real application in the day life. Of course, we have many celebrations, as I just said, or promotion of this event by official speeches or convention, but the citizens are not at the origin of this. And in my point of view, that changed a lot. That means that, except from politicians, 
who basically love to act if they were interested in what they are saying to each other. This is not a really popular event. Like for French people, this is like a regular day. There is nothing special, no holidays or this kind of thing. So we just wake up in the morning, have our breakfast, go to work, and this is the end of the day. <laughs> so for many French people, this is totally an ordinary day. Of course, this will depend on people you meet, but any random French will tell you the same thing. I think this is different, depend of the country. And I've heard that our dear neighbor from Italy have many things and tradition about it. Um, actually, and on 8th of March, uh, we don't have holiday, but uh, we celebrate women in uh, a particular way. Often, uh, man gives mimosas to women and uh, uh, take them uh, for a dinner uh, <laughs> and uh, they are cute for, uh, with uh, women. But in Italy, we don't really have uh, holidays. Also because uh, the Women's Day was uh, started uh, to be celebrated in Italy in 1922 with a political connotation. And uh, this is the reason why was born the International Women's Day in Italy. But um, in 1945, it took power when the Italian Women Union, composed by communist women, celebrated the Women's Day in, in some Italian areas where fascism was already defeated. The 8th of March in 1946, for the first time, the whole Italy remembered the Women's Day and Mimosa was chosen because it, it flourished at the beginning of March. This is the reason why boys and men give us uh, Mimosas uh, as the anniversary symbol. Next year's uh, Women's Day became a symbolic day to claim women's rights and to defend women's uh, achievements. I only want to add that uh, there are some initiatives in uh, Italy that um, I keep in my, in my mind. For example, in Turin, uh, the 8th of March, uh, all the women, but also boys, uh, go for a run and pay for a ticket for this run and uh, the money uh, will be um, given to hospitals for researches for cancer. Okay, thank you, Frederica. But if I'm right, that means I have to go to the closest flower shop to buy some mimosa and give it to you. Uh, so in the meantime, while I'm running to, the, to, the sh to this shop... You are not forced. But I have to, so... <laughs> so, okay, while I'm running to this shop, I think I will let you with our Russian girl to talk to you about the tradition in Russia. We are back. And thank you, guys. It was very interesting to know how you celebrate or not celebrate, actually, that holiday in your countries. It's kind of a different situation in Russia. This spring holiday is most often celebrated in the family circle with a festive meal and uh, champagne. Another popular choice to celebrate 8th of March is by visiting friends or some concerts that I'm sure are taking place right now in the biggest cities of Russia. Could you tell us more about it, Sonia, please? Well, in Russia, women are usually given flowers and sweets on this day. Students bring flowers to their teachers. Grandsons give postcards to their grandmothers, mothers, girlfriends. And it is a public holiday. We don't have to go to school. We don't have to go to work. 
what is interesting, uh, it is also an official holiday in, well, in my opinion, the least democratic countries, such as Afghanistan, Azerbaijan, Belarus, China, Moldova, and so on. Also, few words about uh, gifts. Both men and women make presents to women they're close to. Flowers, of course, are the most popular choice on 8th of March. You know, to my mind, it's a real holiday for those who have a flower business because they earn a lot of money during these days. For the market, it is another reason to manipulate the customers and draw the money from our pockets. They produce advertisements that use the image of a woman. However, in recent years, I see that the biggest companies try to be more feminist aware, even in Russia. Sasha, do you remember this recent Reebok campaign? Of course I do. Uh, yes, uh, they attracted sportswomen or, I don't know, female sportsmen, how to say that. And they produced a, quite a provocative campaign. The audience obviously paid attention to it, which is better than nothing. <laughs> Sasha, do you want to add something? Federica, it might be interesting for you to know that a box of Raffaella, which is produced by mm -hmm. Ferrero, uh, an Italian company, is probably the most popular gift to give to women. Yes, of course. Also in Italy, they give us uh, chocolate and uh, Ferrero Rocher or uh, Raffaello or uh, Gianduiotto. Mm, I've never heard of the last one. Yes, because it's um, chocolate uh, made in Turin. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, isn't it good to receive a box of sweets <laughs> any day, but also on 8th of March? And the next popular gift is perfume and cosmetics, which also Italian and French product traditionally. So, yeah, and jewelry and anything else. In Russia, perfumes, jewels, cosmetic are very popular, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's very popular. But talking about 8th of March, uh, I think you should be close enough to the person you want to give these presents because perfume is kind of very personal thing. You or know? you want to become closer yes, to that person. I know what you mean. <laughs> or yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to become closer, yeah. But I want to know if uh, Sebastian has made some gifts to girls in the 8th of March. As I said in France, we just don't celebrate it. So I have a perfect excuse to tell you that no, I never gift any woman anything on the 8th of March. And that's good for you. <laughs> no, you are not a bad person for this. Oh, I'm sure I'm a good person. <laughs> Because the girl just called me and my way back from the flower shop, like it was a commercial thing, etc. I finally didn't bought any flowers. So here we are and we are again lifting you for a couple of minutes and we see you back in a couple of seconds. Sasha, what do you think? How it all happened that the first feminist communist country in the world now happens to be so patriarchal? Well, to my mind, it is connected closely to uh, Soviet history, a date which was invented as a symbol of fighting for the rights, emancipation, gender equality, and respect to women's labor suddenly became just another occasion to give a present or flowers to women. 
So we have to look for a reason in Soviet history and how Soviet government changed and maybe even manipulated by women's role in a newborn country, I mean USSR, of course. To my mind, it was a policy provided by Soviet government. During the first years of Soviets, it was claimed that women have two main responsibilities. First, to become a mother and to work as hard as a man. In order to include women into work as fast as possible, abortions were legalized. It was 1920. Basically, Russia, or USSR those days, was the first country to legalize abortions. Mm -hmm. At the same time, family law made marriage and divorce an easy thing to do. But in a longer period of time, birth rate decreased. Soviets has to deal with this problem somehow. And Sasha, I think it's worth mentioning that yet in 1919th, uh, the women's movement in Russia was so strong and significant that the party even decided to open special women's departments, yes. so-called Jen Adel. Their idea was to propagate the freedom of a woman from uh, routine, the ideas of free marriage and independence of a woman. Yeah, of course. And in the 30s, those departments were eliminated because the government wanted to control women's position in a society. It was stated the women's issue was solved. Stated by the government. Yes, know? sure. It but was an official reason to close. But this. was it solved? What do you think? Uh, of course sorry, no. Yours. Uh, I have a question for you. How do women are seen in Russia now and the, and this issue is uh, is seen in Russia well in recent years i believe it has changed well obviously yet most of people don't believe that women and men actually deserve equality and women believe that they are not as talented as men they don't deserve equal rights I'd like to add that modern Russia is still a patriarchal society. Actually, I found an interesting survey uh, conducted by Russian agency Levada Center. According to that survey, the most valuable feminine features are claimed by those who they asked. B both male and female? Um, um, yeah, both male and female, mm -hmm. yeah. The most important feminine features are, first, to be a good housewife, to be caring, and to be appealing. Uh, and uh, please compare it with the top three features for men. The first one is to be smart. The second one is to be able to make money. And the third one is fairness. So these are challenges for uh, Russian women? Yeah, you see how different it is between women and men, so... Women are mostly perceived as objects in Russia. Yeah. And um, this is confusing, right? So how could it happen going back to history? Well, Sasha, I think at some point Russian women found themselves between these two truths that you were talking about. You have to be mother and wife. At the same time, you have to be a well-functioning member of the society and work for the well-being of the Soviet state. So maybe... This was this misconception that led us to the current situation when women don't even understand what's their role 
and the society doesn't give any directions and oppresses females. The ideas of feminism are mostly rejected in today's Russia and even the word feminist is unfortunately avoided. Saying that you are a feminist, you can immediately draw unwanted attention. It's because of the fact that problems of inequality are not discussed in Russia. It's unprofitable for the authorities to cover these issues. Again, it's because Russian policy is solely based on patriarchal beliefs. As a result, the education has no focus on developing equality ideas. And I'm sorry, but let's admit, Sasha, I believe you are going to agree with me. The majority are not advanced critical thinkers in Russia. Yes, I do agree, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, And they simply cannot comprehend that the person's gender doesn't define her or his abilities. And yet, I personally believe that although it will be hard and long way, we inevitably will become feminists. Yeah, it's still a long way to go, but I hope with uh, the help of uh, activists we can change the world we live in and our country and their way of thinking. Thank you very much, uh, Sonia and uh, Sasha because you clarified me uh, some questions about uh, Russian girls uh, and uh, we will talk about more and more after this song. Came back, uh, guys. Uh, we are talking about uh, women's uh, and uh, we were talking about the uh, uh, condition of women's in Russia. Can we start uh, this uh, topic? Okay, thank you, Frederica. Um, I think we are really waiting for this part in the studio because this is the part we will talk to you about the condition of the woman, like today's condition. And there is this huge question about the difference in salary between men and women. So um, to start, I have to tell you that all the numbers I will give you are from studies from uh, Western country only. So sorry for the Russian girls. <laughs> This is uh, both from Union, European Union st statistics, um, North American statistics, and both from association and government. So here we are. So this is a really common thing to hear that women have a salary inferior to men from 12 to 27% at least. This is the numbers we are used to hear and to see. Uh, of course, all the people are always like, okay, I have this big study and I will show you that I'm right. The thing is, yes, if you take the salary of all, for example, all the French women and all the French men, you have this difference. That's obvious. No, there is no point to discuss about it. And in France, the exact number is 23% of difference. But the French state has led a study about this question in 2012. The fact is 23% of disparity on the annual gross income, but only 14% for the hourly rate. But if you add some specific factors, such as weekly worked or hours, qualifications, years of experience and bonus, you finish with a difference of 9%. Okay, there is still this difference. But the more you add factors, such as productivity, the difference in salary between men and women is situated between 2% and 3%. Of course, and this is what all the studio, studies sorry, I have read says, it is totally impossible to take in consideration all the specifics to have a final number about these differences. 
But the fact is that, but uh, sorry, the more you add specifics, the more the difference is reduced. And at the end of the day, these sorry. studies show that this is between two and three percent. Can I ask you something yeah. about this? Are you sure that uh, the difference uh, is between men and women and not uh, between uh, person to person? What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean exactly? Because you say that uh, there are differences uh, about uh, productivity, hours, uh, etc. But uh, are you sure that uh, the productivity of a woman uh, of a woman is lower than a man's productivity? Because I think uh, uh, there are women more produ productive uh, yeah. uh, than men mm -hmm. and vice versa. Yeah, so I think the difference is between, uh, between people, not uh, by gender. Sorry if I wasn't clear, but I'm just trying to explain these numbers and these differences. Of course, that depend on the people. And at the end of the day, this is the end of, well, my part of my, this is my conclusion, my personal conclusion is that this question is like a fake topic because you can't have real number. The society is too vast. And if you want to have real number, you have to make a study for each company in each country in the world. So at the end of the day, this is just impossible. But because I just love to be right at the end of the discussion. Mm -hmm. um, no, no, just a, a little last thing. Um, there was another again in French. Sorry. So there was a study concerning only independent workers, such as doctors or lawyers. So this is, well, high, highly educated person who pay themselves. They are not, uh, they not have a salary. So they, they are paid as much as they work. And the thing is that the study showed that um, men perceive uh, 44% more of salary than their counterparts, the female, female counterparts. And this is not about salary. This is not. This is just about how much money they make, like how many clients client they have, and etc. So at the end of the day, and I think I'm really curious to have your opinion, girls. Um, this is not only about productivity. This is also about the place of the woman in the society. So there is many specifics. So yeah. Uh, you know, yes. Once, uh, if a man has more clients, like I, I'm not talking about any particular situation but yes sometimes we see men as more reliable more responsible but it just stereotypes and that's probably is one of the reasons why men sometimes are more quote uh, successful than women just my opinion and um, I think that uh, a man um, can have uh, more clients uh, also because uh, Because of the society, a man has more credibility than a woman. And so it's easier, it's easier to a man to gain, earn money more than a woman. Because uh, she has to make more efforts than a man, I think. But it's my opinion. Again, the thing is that there is no final answer to this question. So, yeah, depend on the situation, depend on the people depend even of the of the cities but maybe Sasha you have something to add I think we also should add that nowadays we are talking about like developed countries in Russia <laughs> I mean, uh, but we shouldn't forget that in the 21st century 
we still have a large amount of people who is engaged in unfair production. Like many women have to work in sweatshops, well, and men, and uh, they work under unfair conditions only to make a few dollars a month. And that is also a um, thing that feminism fights with because uh, their work, this uh, production is considered to be feminine. And what is feminine then is seen as something weak. It's in a stereotype. And that is something that UN tries to fight with. We'll talk about this after musical pause. Okay, guys, uh, came back uh, with a very, um, a very spicy topic <laughs> <laughs> about women. And uh, we have only one man, so... Uh, <laughs> Not me! <laughs> <laughs> Someone come to help uh, Sebastian, poor man. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's okay, but he said he's okay, but it's not. It's not true. I have a knife in my pocket, so <laughs> <laughs> we are so scared, Sebastian. <laughs> so um, I want to introduce uh, a very interesting topic about challenges, uh, and about challenges and uh, about uh, women. Uh, what is uh, the topic of uh, the 2019 uh, uh, Women's Day? And uh, I want to let you the word, girls. Do you want to say something? Do you wish uh, something for women? Of course, uh, equal rights with everyone, with men. Equal rights with men and uh, opportunities to get edu education and to know about um, their health. So do you want uh, equal rights and uh, equal opportunities for women and men? Yes, sure, mm -hmm. sure. Sure. And also I think that men also can profit from feminism um, because some guys, some boys are raised as, and, uh, as bullies. They are taught that uh, crying is, like for example, for girls, it's bad, that you shouldn't show your emotional weaknesses, which actually leads a man to become a weak and abusive partner. When uh, those problems also can be solved if we look differently at gender roles. Thank you, Sonia. And uh, you are lucky because uh, uh, we are going to talk about UN challenges in the 2019. And um, uh, the way to say uh, of this year is uh, think equal, build smart, innovate for change. That means uh, that uh, women have to be involved in more fields of the society, have to be involved more in politics, uh, in uh, scientific fields like uh, mathematics, uh, engineering, uh, science, uh, uh, something like that. And uh, this is the first challenge. And of course, gender equality. Uh, about uh, the sustainable development goals. That means achieve gender equality and uh, empower all the women girls. It, it's uh, important for uh, the UN challenges and um, ensure inclusive and quality education for all and promote uh, lifelong learning. What do you think about it? Uh, well, actually, I've got a question, if you don't mind. Of course. Yeah. Uh, what exactly do they do? Like, how do they act to promote and to, to, to do something to, you know? I saw the, um, the face of uh, Sebastian. Maybe he wants to tell us something. <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, 
That's a good question, actually. <laughs> oh, they do that, and all. I mean, that's wow! What a huge promise that seems to be beautiful. Thank you to the European Union or this kind of thing. Like, wow! It's, it's uh, what a target. But I mean, uh, basically, um, in my opinion, again, Women's Day is about like giving women opportunity to do what they want, study what they want, have the work they want. And maybe this is just a, a European point of view, a French point of view, but actually this is already happening. So, for example, I've been working for a volcanic observatory in Martinique and for the 20 last years, uh, the director of the observatory was only woman. So I'm sorry, but this kind of thing, my point of view, this kind of target in our developed country, as you said, Sonia, Is maybe this is not the case in Russia because I've never been in this country, but in the Western country, like okay, like the really Western country, this is already the case. So there's no no sense in my point of view. I think uh, it has sense because um, Italy it's um, is a still a patriarchal country. There are many differences uh, between North and South Italy, of course, because the South of Italy is, is uh, more patriarchal than the North, but uh, in Italy still live the patriarchal society. And uh, in my opinion, has to be defeated uh, once at all. I would like if uh, every woman can have uh, the same opportunity and uh, uh, the same respect of uh, a man. But if you go in the south of Italy, don't uh, happen every time. And what about the northern part of Italy? About the northern part, I think it's uh, uh, more developed about uh, this uh, point of view. Yeah, we are a few steps uh, ahead of uh, south of Italy. I think Sonia has something to add. Yeah, uh, as you already said, Sebastian, yes, we are... We are talking about these developed countries, but uh, UN Women is a foundation that um, creates these topics, the themes for each year. Uh, I, I'm looking at the site and, well, for example, some numbers. Well, for example, more than one third uh, of children who are out of school globally live in war-affected countries like Syria, for example. Adul adults, teenage girls in conflict zones are 90% more likely to be out of school When compared to girls in other conflict-free countries. And those are things that the world has to fight with, not just, I mean, our gender gap, uh, gender pay gap. Just to finish, because <laughs> there is Frederica, which is looking at me like if she is going to kill me because of the time. <laughs> just a couple of words. Um, yeah, I totally agree. But again, this is a personal point of view, but I think you will resolve this kind of problem because is our real problem. We agree on that. I think the four of, the, of us only by developing this country and you can just arrive and well, tell to them you have to do that because there is other, I'm sorry, but other priority for this kind of country. I mean, this is a, a priority, but Sure, I mean, the, uh, but we have to raise money, we have to draw attention, we have to raise awareness about the situations and that uh, that is the way to fight thank you Sonia for the the end of uh, the discussion and uh, now we let you at, at uh, a song we are back and uh, Federica and Sebastian could you tell us something about maybe some very special woman from your country 
I think I want to I wanna talk about uh, Samantha Cristoforetti. Uh, someone knows her, but someone not. And uh, she is a very important uh, woman in Italy because uh, she is an European Space uh, Agency astronaut of Italian nationality. And um, the thing is, uh, between November 2014 and uh, June 2015, she spent 199 days on board the, the International Space Station as a flight engineer for Expedition 42 and 43. During ASI Futura mission, Samantha conducted the experiments in the station's laboratories. She also is a captain in the Italian Air Force and she is famous because she holds the record for the longest female presence in the space, longer than, than Sunny Williams, who spent 1,095 days in the space on a single mission. For this reason, in July 2015, Samantha was awarded the Knight Grand, Cr Grand Cross of the Order of Merit of the Italian Republic by the Italian President Sergio Mattarella. What about your French woman? Uh, I just want to add something. She brought uh, espresso, a coffee espresso in space. She is uh, a very Italian girl. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so Italian. <laughs> I will talk to you about Isabelle Autissier, a really famous um, French skipper, which became in 1998 the first woman in the world history to have completed a solo world navigation during the widespread round the world race. She's quite tough because that was really difficult for her as her first attempt finished by like sinking her own boat uh, not far away from Australia, and that was uh, uh, three years ago, like in 1994. So a couple of years after this sink, she tried again, and she was successful, and she became officially the first woman in uh, men's world, like the skipper world. Thank you, Sebastian. Uh, you choose a very good personality. I think uh, she is uh, really a, a good woman. I think... Uh, um, it's an example for many women that want to win in the sports uh, field. And uh, what is important, I think, that they fight stereotypes that women cannot do some kind of man's job, like um, yeah, going to space, for example. But what is scary? Nothing is scary. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, this is why I chose uh, Samantha Cristoforetti yeah, because uh, she is. She also is uh, an engineer. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, there is, a, there is yes. a kind of stereotypes that say that uh, women are, are not so good in uh, scientific uh, fields. Yes. Yes. And uh, she, is, she took a degree in, uh, in the States in engineering mm -hmm. and uh, now she is an astronaut. What else? She's standing out of the crowd. But it, yeah, you know, uh, she's not... But it's not because she has some, I, I mean, she is outstanding, but it's not because she is different from the most, the majority of women. No, because she didn't follow this, you know, social restrictions. Yeah, and she... Yes, of could, course. Yes, she, she was uh, a strong enough to show that she is, um, she can break the, kind of break the rules. Yes, of course. 
It's like if you have a dream, follow your dream. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, I think uh, she is an example for many women uh, that uh, don't believe in them in themselves and uh, they operate in these fields. And uh, I wanted to say them uh, believe in yourself, even if you are a woman. Yes, unfortunately, we all are raised with these stereotypes in our heads. And in the next part, we're going to talk about uh, a Russian personality. Hello, we are back to our studio and now we are going to tell you about some person from Russia, a woman from Russia. When we discussed uh, who we are going to talk about with Sonia, um, we were not sure because there are some very interesting and strong women in Russia, but for this day we decided to choose someone who is a very feminine and at the same time very strong and we are going to talk about Natalia Vadyanova who is uh, very well known worldwide as a supermodel uh, she actually represented some American and European world famous brands such as for example Givenchy, Prada Calvin Klein, Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Gucci, Versace. Probably my colleagues from Italy and France knows, know the, these brands very well. <laughs> of course. Not ready. <laughs> <laughs> But have you ever seen Natalia Vadyanova? Actually, I haven't been heard about uh, Natalia Yeah, but maybe if you see a picture of her, you will recognize her. Anyway, uh, she is very well known as a supermodel, but not many people knows that she is also a philanthropist and she leads a charity organization. And Sonia, could you tell us a little bit more about her? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I would call her a Russian Cinderella, a girl who was born in a small town of Nizhny Novgorod. Back at that time, it was Gorky, but whatever. And when she started attending a model agency there in Nizhny Novgorod, she was invited to Paris. What, what, a, what a fairy tale. And after that, at some point, she married an English lord. Now she's a mother of five. And yet she manages to be involved and dedicated to humanitarian ideas. Uh, she doesn't live in Russia, obviously. And although she's very famous and well-known and respected in our country, But not only, right, Sash, not only because she was able to break free <laughs> from Russian province and become I'm one sure. of the, <laughs> yes, but become one of the most influencing models of the world. But also, yeah, she's, because she's a famous philanthropist. And uh, for me, it is more important. She has founded a fund named Naked Heart, which helps children with intellectual disabilities, autist spectrum condition, orphans, and those who um, have unequal rights with the rest of us. Um, being an influential figure in European fashion world, she can draw attention of famous and wealthy people in order to raise money for her fund. Or for example, the recent ball in, held in London, organized in February, made it possible to raise over 800,000 pounds. And obviously this money will go for charity programs to develop a network of free support services for families of children with autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, and other special needs. Yeah, um, there were some... Well, the, the, we, this event, the Love Ball, it takes place every year. 
and uh, it took place. The first one was in Moscow, but after that, it moved to uh, big European cities like London, Paris, Monte Carlo. Yeah. So, and in 2016, it was uh, an anniversary of that event, and uh, it was hosted by the Foundation Louis Vuitton. And that time, it raised almost four billion euros to fund the organization's programs. Yeah. So, could yeah, you imagine uh, how? And um, I, I would also point to point out that um, the activity of the fund in Russia doesn't only uh, focus on Moscow and Saint Petersburg. Yeah. They mostly work in uh, Nizhny Novgorod, the native, uh, the town of uh, Natalia Vadyanova. And um, and also other small cities. Yeah, sure. Well, interesting. Interestingly, they also attract uh, people with, for example, Down syndrome to work on these balls, like models with Down syndromes. So they attract our, they draw attention to the problem of people with um, health conditions. Thank you for presenting this personality to us. But but maybe Sasha is gonna say something. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to add that uh, she is uh, not only a founder of this uh, charity foundation, but also she uh, makes charity more modern, I would say, and uh, it goes digital right now. I think it's interesting. For example, in 2015, uh, she uh, she became a co-founder of the digital app called Albi, which allows, allows people to donate money with a love button. And basically, this th- thing makes fundraising very simple and you don't have to do to put much, a lot of effort to help someone. You just have this love button, so why not? Yes, it, it's true. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it was... Uh a good discussion, but I want to let you the time for a song. And we are back. In this part, I think we are going to discuss about personal experiences during the Women's Day. I have Sonia, which is looking at me like I have a good story. So, Sonia. Oh, thank you, Sebastian. Well, uh, yes, it's a short story from my life. Last year's International Women's Day was my second workday in a delivery service worth mentioning that in my country it's not popular among women to work as couriers. I spent the whole day delivering pizza, driving my car. Could women dream about this a hundred years ago? In Saudi Arabia, women have won a right to drive cars only recently with a lot of protests. When last year I was bringing pizza and sushi to people, they sometimes would tell me, why do you work on your holiday? You should have rest. Showing some proof that the real meaning and idea of that day was buried and forgotten. And I, instead, felt surprisingly proud for myself and thankful to feminists of the past who made it all possible for me to work and drive my car. Wow. <laughs> Such a beautiful story, <laughs> Sonia. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I earned a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Federica or Sasha, would you like to share I some can, experience? I can continue because I have kind of a different story. I mean, not story. I just would like to share with you my some thoughts about this holiday. We start to celebrate it from the very childhood. So you, you know that there is a holiday for women. And it's not really that feministic holidays we told you it was before 
So in the childhood, we were preparing greeting cards for moms and grandmoms and some performances and kindergarten and school, dancing, you know, poems. And after the, these performances, we had kind of a tea party together with parents and children and teachers. It was kind of good day to celebrate. Plus, we received some gifts. I like gifts, don't you? <laughs> and um, actually, yeah, I don't mind receiving gifts and flowers as well as having one additional day off. For sure, I will congratulate my friends on this holiday. And of course, I will order a bouquet delivery for my mother because unfortunately, I cannot give it to her in person because there are almost 2,000 kilometers between us. To conclude... I like this day, but I think it's a good opportunity also to tell again about women's rights. I hope we managed it with our today's program. And Federica, what about you? Do you have any personal experience about 8th of March? Uh, I think uh, every year I have a personal experience uh, with uh, this uh, tradition because uh, my father... Uh, always uh, bring me mimosas uh, or uh, roses uh, or um, sometimes uh, he bring me some sweets because Raffaello uh, <laughs> but also the the cake we have uh, also the mimosa cake and uh, sometimes uh, he bring me uh, the mimosa cake he is a feminist because uh, he believes in uh, equal rights and uh, I know that uh, everything he do is uh, is made by heart and not because uh, it's a it's a very special day for women. This is my women's day every year even if uh, this year uh, is not here my dad but uh, he wished me happy women's day. But I, I, I will wait for uh, Sebastian Mimosas. <laughs> no, I just wanted to thank you girls for this really beautiful stories. And Italy seems, seems to be a really great country. Uh, I wish to thank you, dear listener, for listening to us today. I hope you have enjoyed this program with us. And we are back in one week. See you.